Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Ed, Edward's lubing up ready for the episode. Lubing up, ready, Eddie, uh, bleh, lubing up ready for the episode. I am. Uh, actually, my hands are really dry. And those are washing up and stuff just in the last like 15 minutes. And uh, what my hands are really dry. What did you just put on your hands? Bit of lube, yeah, bit of KY. No, it's just a bit of hand motion. But you rubbed it on your face? Yeah, same thing. No, it's not. That's outrageous. <laughs> you, ab- you absolute heathen. <laughs> anyway, we're, we are on episode number 148. So, hello, Edward. Hello. Hello. We're going, are we? Yep. We're, 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 you, well, you've lubed up and gone straight in. <gasps> Holy <laughs> shit, you just didn't just do that. That's outrageous. Um, yeah, I thought I'd go straight in. Um, and, you know, I would ask you how you are, but instead I'm going to start with a little review today. <laughs> so, nobody needs to know. No, nobody needs to know how you are. Um, no, I will ask you how you are afterwards, out of pure spite. Um, and this will make sense in a moment to anyone listening. Um, I just got to find said review. So we've had a few reviews reasonably recently. Um, not as many as I would like. I would like more. So if anyone wants to leave us a nice review, especially after hearing this one, um, please do us a solid if you enjoy anything about our podcast and leave us a review. And if you hate it, then so be it. Leave a shit one because you'll be no- just like this uh, this individual. So Jomu334 was his id um j-o-m-o-o-o-o-3-3-4 i do really wish you could trace these apple ids um <laughs> yeah just because it would be funny to work out who these individuals are but anyway um the headline on the review was too much chitter chatter uh, one star as you can imagine from too much chitter chatter uh, and then uh, not much info it's like listening in on a phone call between two friends really well, boring, spelt B-O-A-R-I-N-G, which is obviously quite ironic and funny, um, given the you know the temperament of that review. And then you know, boring. I don't. Is, is that like boring as in killing pigs, or boring as in boring a hole, um, or boring as in sleepy time? I don't know. Which is he trying to spell? <laughs> we know we're boring, but uh, maybe we should do an episode on boring holes. <laughs> given how I started this uh, episode. Anyway, um, I am going to ask you how you are regarding uh, regarding your week. Uh, despite that review of not liking our chitter chatter, it wouldn't be the first time someone said that. We've, we've joked before that we've had feedback from you know people who would consider close friends now um, saying that you're, I skipped past the rest of it because it's shit. Oh, I skipped past the start of it because it's shit. So, um... It's very on board. Yeah. The thing is, but though, then we wouldn't have a podcast. No, we wouldn't have a podcast. Um, <laughs> to be honest, we we have taken it on board in terms of our intentions, but like many people, um, our intentions don't always relate to our actual actions. So, um, yeah, it depends on what you, you're coming for. Some people just want like a stigma nutrition style, just content and nothing else. No sigma. Sig- sigma yeah, yeah. You said stigma. Which oh, I think I meant, is probably meant, a whole different Sigma. podcast, but anyway. <laughs> I meant Sigma. Um, where, you know, it's like really heavy content, and then you have other ones which are more chitter chatter, and and then other ones which are just like biceps and banter, one which is just pure piss taking. So, um, yeah, I think it depends on kind of what you want from a podcast. So, 
not everything's going to be for everybody. So and not every episode is going to be for everybody. But to answer your question, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, quarantine life, um, doing bits of work from home and kind of um, going to the well, same as last week, really. Just yeah, bits bits of work from home, bits of work out of home, but being sensible when I'm out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. you and Just, you've now officially stopped the diet. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So about a week or so ago, um, probably just, I think just before, or just that basically when we recorded last week, so about a week or so ago, um, I just thought, sod it, why, why uh, continue when I don't need to mini cut particularly, just need to keep being sensible. I'm happy maintaining where I am, I'm comfortable and everything. So yeah, um, just trying not to, to do what I suppose a lot of people are worried about doing. You know, steps are massively down, training's not quite as intense, not playing hockey, so I don't want to then go and overeat because I'm bored and all that sort of stuff um, and uh, put on a lot of weight, so that wouldn't be good. No, well, I mean, I guess um, the decision to cut the diet is um, almost, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the right word. Almost um, nailed on. That's mm-hmm. not even the right phrase. Um, yeah, whatever. Well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. So move on. So you're about to start with that. Um, I am. Yeah, I'm about to. Well, I say I'm about to. I think I am. Like I, I kind of have no reason to continue dieting if Johnny's wedding isn't going ahead, as we 99.9% now know is not, or I've kind of known for a while. But there's a part of me that would kind of now have kind of come this far. Yeah, you know, I hit the 20 pound mark on the button uh, up until today. So last two days had weighed in the same at I think 175.5. So and I started at 195.5. So I kind of, like, as I've now done 20 pounds and in, like, 10 weeks, I kind of think, well, maybe I'd like to get, like, I wouldn't say I'm even, like, necessarily lean. Maybe I'm kind of touching leaner, but not quite lean. Like, maybe another 5 pounds would be lean, but maybe another 15 pounds would be, like, quite shredded. And maybe I think, well, should I push it to through now and, and do that? But, like, I was planning to. I suppose, uh, yeah, I think that's the rationale behind it what's the reasoning why basically yeah and i don't have a real um strong uh, or, or uh, one with a lot of real backing to be honest purely because yeah it just, so if you it, have it well just gonna say it, it would literally be purely um kind of narcissistic aesthetics really and nothing else but if you then plan on just putting the weight back on again and, and bulking again, then it's kind of almost pointless, isn't it, to look shredded for a few weeks? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there are some positives you could take out of it in terms of then giving me more room to bulk into, so therefore longer bulking periods afterwards, assuming I control the rate of weight gain, which you should do. That's a positive. Um, there's the old argument of partition and ratios and insulin sensitivity and stuff in terms of being more insulin sensitive at a leaner rate and therefore also great uh, a greater uh, partition and ratio of muscle to fat so more muscle than fat when you're leaner as a theory i don't know how much evidence i don't well i don't know I, there isn't that much evidence to to really kind of back partition ratios um but i think a lot of people kind of think there is something to it but other than that no i mean and again like a lot of that stuff it's dose dependent or it's on a continuum it's not like a yes or no or binary thing it's kind of like well do i really need to get shredded to kind of get some of those benefits or can you just get relatively lean and get a lot of those benefits and the answer is probably the latter so yeah yeah because if you're using it for for more buffer with your calories 
if anything, you'd want to then bump up your calories a little bit to get out of that sort of lean state to get over the hunger and all that sort of stuff. Well, the, yeah, um, they're so the, you'd be bouncing back up again, then, wouldn't you? So. Yeah, they're the negatives mm. that come with it in like trying to push that to the extreme for what isn't a very good rationale, i.e., like mm-hmm. you said, the narcissistic vanity. You then got to put up with those adaption, adaptations and adaptions that aren't very nice, like being hungry and food focused and all that stuff. Although you get some gnarly pumps and some cool vascular looks and you know see muscle striations you've never seen before um and obviously you can some also, nice photos yeah some nice photos if you take want to take photos of yourself but um also uh you could do your washing on your on your abs which is nice <laughs> <laughs> i don't think anybody's used a, a washboard for for many many years <laughs> well yeah, I tend to use washing machine. anywho so um yeah, works a bit better <laughs> yeah uh but yeah other than that that's um same as you really i have just sat at home did uh, isolated as usual you know pretty much followed the rules like you're supposed to and um mm-hmm. yeah there we go yeah have you been getting out of the house much for your hour exercise a day or have I've you been, been getting, i'm gonna i'm i shouldn't say this live on air but um there has been occasions where i've got out more than once which is um <gasps> i'm gonna probably get fined for saying that now but it's really difficult well it's really yeah. difficult with two small children to keep them in the house only even with the gardener playing because they get bored so easily and i'll be honest it's really really tough on the wife having to look after them while i'm working and stuff as well because yeah. i'm sure any anyone listening that's had children um will understand that especially if you are a woman and had children uh, rather than being a dad and you've obviously been the one potentially looking after them. i mean not that dads can't because dads obviously can but they'll i, I think it, they'll probably understand that it's really hard to look after like two children at that at like during um like the maternity stage where obviously like my wife's on maternity and then not have anyone now to lean on for support because technically i'm working a lot of the time where you'd usually have like family and friends and stuff to kind of break up the day and entertain we'd go see friends or you'd have you like your mother-in-law come around or your mum or whatever um obviously she can't do that because we're in isolation so it's a lot of toll on jenna so i guess mm-hmm. like, yeah 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 but anyway uh, um I suppose this links in a little bit what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. I, I think everyone's talking so sort of corona heavy at the moment, so it's nice to kind of talk about something slightly different, but also if we can link it a little back a little bit, then it might help the people uh, in uh, the current situations and that sort of stuff. If, you know, if, if anybody can apply anything we say to their, to their lives now or in the next few months, then, then brilliant. Um, yeah. I think it's... Um... It is a bit corona heavy, like you say, and a lot of people are talking about it. Like every bit of content is corona related. Like, oh, get my corona virus workout plan, and my oh, is my COVID nineteen nutrition escape plan, um, or boost your immunity by eating zinc and something else, and then I vitamin C, um, which yeah, it's all getting a bit boring, really. So yeah, but on the different side of the same coin it is i don't even know that's a, a saying um it's difficult to get away from it because it is everywhere so and some of the stuff we will talk about will relate to just generally how people are rather than specifically to corona so um today we are talking about something that we've probably talked about in many different type of facets in different ways over many of our podcasts if not every single one of them right so today we are going to talk about what is health Yep. So I think like when 
uh, I did, oh, I'm thinking about it, like GCSE PE. Now, this is actually something we used to, to cover, and it was like, well, the first thing you used to cover, um, I remember the, the textbook and uh, and all that, and so you know, it, this was literally like the first thing in the textbook, um, what are the three facets of health? Um, and I think we want to break it down and break it into a few more facets, just that are a bit more sort of life-relatable and all that sort of stuff. But um, I always remember school, uh, and it was the uh, social, mental, and physical well-being, um, and that was that was the definition of health in your school textbook, OCR or AQA or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of one of those things that has been. Well, I mean, you know, we, we've known about health for a very long time, but it's, it's been defined as this for many, many years. Um, but we kind of want to break it down a bit more and look at more of the kind of the uh, the emotional side and the economical side and the intellectual side and things like that, as well as uh, the three that I've just said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, I think when people say like, "What is health?" People immediately think, "Oh, it's having a, you know, being healthy, having a healthy body," or you know, like the clinical, maybe. Um, definition of being a, a, like absence of disease say um, mm. certainly for physical health but like you say there's there's more to it in terms of you know things i talk about in my my corporate job i like what you're saying in terms of physical financial and um emotional or um psychological health but like you've said as well th- during our coaching and some of the stuff that we've kind of learned through our qualifications is other aspects like emotional health economic health um said social health but kind of links into like psychological health as well physical health is the obvious one but then also intellectual health so maybe we can just give uh, a bit of a rough idea in in kind of how we can affect them um and and why why um why it's important to kind of have some sort of positive effect on those elements and, and not just think about health being just physical so like let's so obviously we've already said physical health is you know, we can affect physical health through our nutrition, say, by altering our body composition, um, altering our healthy state in terms of having an absence of disease, um, and obviously trying to set up our body in a way to make sure that it thrives in in kind of like day to day activities of living and that, and that type of stuff. Um, kind of psychological health, then. How does what uh, we do kind of affect, or like, how does your nutrition affect like your psychological health? Well, like the psychological health is something that is massively going around at the moment. It's a real kind of buzzword and a, a, a thing at the moment, which which it should be. Um, especially the last twenty four hours, I've seen a lot of these um, post a picture of just yourself to um, about mental health and that sort of stuff. So it all kind of slowly ties. I got tagged in um, that. And just just a little side tangent. I got tagged in one of those this morning, and uh, I was I, I never do that type of stuff. When you get when I get tagged mm-hmm. in that type of shit, like copy and paste this, copy and paste that. I always I never do. Yeah. So I think, oh, what a load of horse shit. But I thought, you know what, actually, obviously it's about uh, promoting um, mental illness in males, isn't it? So I think it was the one I got tagged in. Is that what you're talking about? You got yeah, 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 yeah. So I actually tried, tried to find a picture of myself on my camera roll to do that. And I genuinely, the only one I could find, or the only ones I could find were progress pictures. I had no other pictures of myself. <laughs> so you didn't go for the uh, diesel pant look then? No, I didn't, I didn't post anything because <laughs> I couldn't find a picture. So. <laughs> Let's take a selfie and just be like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's poor cop out that is. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so um so free nutrition and stuff like that, so we can look at things like uh reducing obese uh, obsessive tendencies. Um so if we can reduce things like uh you know, being obsessed with with foods or the way we look, um and you know, things like that through our nutrition, then that can massively, massively help and um yeah. Uh, so 
I think that, we, that that probably links into one of the, the blurry line episode we did a few weeks ago around kind of obsessive tendencies and kind of the, the way coaching would work in helping people navigate through those types of like mental battles of of health. So not just the you know we the physical side, but the the, the way that physical stuff can also manifest into the psychological ill health, like obsession and anxiety around certain things. Yeah, yeah. And these all kind of blur into one, don't they, as well? They all overlap and there's kind of things that um, you can say sort of the same sorts of things and they all have knock-on effects uh, for each other as well. So like you can say with the psychological health, so you can say, right, okay, well, you know, if like we've all had it where, and I'm sure a lot of us are going through it now, so you've been sat on the sofa now for a week, uh, you're bored out your mind, you've not really been exercising, even whether you're used to it or not, um, just, you know, you, your movement's gone through the floor, um and you're starting to feel a bit down you're starting to have like pretty rough days um yeah whereas if you could say right okay well i'm going to build in some some good habits i'm going to go for a you know 20 minute walk in the morning and i'm going to do this this and this i'm going to just be a bit more active i'm going to hit 3000 steps instead of 500 steps say um and and just look to eat uh, at proper meal times instead of just snacking on biscuits all day um, and you know, eat some fruit and veg and stuff like that. All these little things they just add up and add up and add up, and they can really can impact and change your, your, your psychology and the psychological health. So, just like a few little sort of, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody listening is is probably going through that right now, and um, and hopefully that's just kind of opened their eyes a little bit to thinking, right, okay, well, you know, that that is me, and this is what I need to change potentially to to, to help in with my health in in that sort of case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose nutrition itself as well, kind of looking more like on the uh, physical in terms of like chemistry or biochemical or bio, 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 biological um, aspects as well can improve like your psychological health through like increased cognition and stuff like that as well. So it's not just a case of um, the kind of the airy fairy side of psychological health, as some might say, and you can, can have some, some kind of physical improvements which result in better psychological health because you know you're improved like even, even something as simple as like people low there's some research out that people low on um, creatine levels in the brain can have uh, like reduced cognitive function so it might just be a case of as a nutritionist you um can can help support them by asking them to take more creatine and therefore mm-hmm. they obviously can see or can see improvements in cognition and stuff purely because of a supplement you've you've you know, it might just be just generally eating healthier which should should generally be um and obviously there is this it's hard to research this because of the variables that are all involved but just i think it's pretty well accepted that you know you eat a shit diet you don't perform very well generally in all aspects and you improve that diet and hopefully all your improvement will, will follow so which includes kind of like your brain function and your cognitive function and, and how you can think how you know how how smart you are boy that type of stuff so yeah, and you get this a lot where people say, right, okay, I'm going to go veggie for a week. And like, oh, my God, you know, I'm so clear in the mind and all this. Well, it's just because you've had a big wash of different vitamins and minerals and, and more of them as well. So you do, um, like, naturally then start to sort of have a clearer mind, as, 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 uh, as we just said, um, through, uh, yeah, through, through just eating uh, better, more nutrient-dense foods instead of if you are stacking on all the cakes and biscuits. Uh, we've been horrendous this weekend. Um, Alex decided she was going to start her baking career yesterday, and um, she baked the biggest chocolate cake in the world. Um, so we've been sort of like having two or three pieces of that a day, 
Um, and then we've got biscuits in the cupboard as well. So Excellent. like, yeah, it's brilliant. But at the same time, like when you're eating all that sort of stuff, you do just kind of feel a bit Ugh. afterwards, a bit lethargic. Last night felt really just like, Ugh. I had a big tea, lots of cake and stuff. And you do just, yeah, feel a bit naff afterwards, don't you? Whereas yeah. you have fruit, veggies, all that sort of stuff. Um, you feel way, way better for it. So. There, there might be an element of placebo involved in that when you're on it, in air quotes, and you're, um, you know, you're eating well and you're exercising and stuff. You just feel great, which is which is fine, even if it is placebo. Mm. Yeah. But, um. So one of the other aspects, social health. What do we? How do we? Like, how can nutrition play a role in social health? Well, with social health, this is a real sort of tough one at the moment um, because so many people are obviously isolating they've got nobody around especially if you do kind of live on your own and you're very very social in terms of going out and that sort of stuff but i suppose the way we're looking at it in terms of nutrition with this is um your flexibility around foods and that sort of stuff so if it means that you like stop yourself from going out and stop yourself from visiting people we spoke about it the other week um because of uh, you're tied to a certain type of food or like say you're particularly fussy and you only eat say beige foods. Ow. No, I've got a dog eating my headphones. Um, not, not ideal when you're trying to eat <laughs> no, no, I know. It's just escaped into the room. One what, second. What, Alex, can do, you get the dog? Do you watch Ozark? No. You should watch it. There's a uh, estate agent in there that uh, when they the first scene you see him, he's uh, under the table getting his feet licked by, uh, by a dog because he put peanut butter on his toes. <laughs> She was fine when she was just like, I was giving her a fuss, she was sat there and all that, and then she wanted to come up, so I thought, right, okay, that's fine, then she saw my headphone wire and thought, nope, that's mine. Um, yeah, joys of having a pup. Um, what was I saying? So yeah, so if you're kind of like, obviously taking the the current situation out of the equation just for talking about things in the bigger picture, um, yeah, so if you're particularly uh, fussy in a particular way or, or whatever it may be, and so you're restricting yourself socially because of um, not wanting to feel awkward, not wanting to feel under pressure, all those sorts of things, um, then that can really sort of have an impact on your social health if you then become slightly recluse because of it, you stop hanging out, you stop going out, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, by being more flexible with what you can eat and um, and how you enjoy things can, can massively help. Yeah, I think that, that kind of, like you said a, a little while ago, it does all tie in, that will obviously tie into kind of the psychological part as well. Um, but it's about knowing those principles of nutrition Um you know, even things like breaking it down to the real context of knowing about energy balance and knowing that you can substitute foods as long as you kind of understand that the principle of energy balance or understand the principle of energy balance, which then allows you to be more flexible and then therefore have a kind of a better food relationship. Um, and, you know, like you say, being able to socialize with your friends and, and all that type of stuff. So. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The, the more knowledgeable, if you are in that that way inclined or if you are like super serious about your diet or you're dieting for something in particular um then uh, yeah knowing more about nutrition and more about energy balance and that sort of stuff can massively massively help with that and that could be a really good place to start with knowing about flexible dieting and um yeah maybe yeah i think that that kind of highlights where nutrition itself plays more of a role than just what you eat as in the points we made around kind of having a better diet will lead to better performance all round, which it will. Um, but kind of knowing the principles of of nutrition itself and, and having that, that, that knowledge level will affect more than just that physical stuff because, albeit 
the physical side is important is in you know exactly what i've just said having a better diet will increase it will improve the increased performance but if it doesn't fit in with your your social life your preferences and all of that type of stuff your physical health may be brilliant because you've you've you know you're putting the right fuel into the right vehicle as for one of a better analogy but if all the other facets start to decline like your emotional health your psychological health and your social health then what's the point having physical health if you're just basically depressed or unhappy or you know you can't actually even adhere to the the you know the physical side of of nutrition because it doesn't suit your preferences say so yeah yeah and and this can this all kind of plays into the next one with the uh, emotional health and um kind of with this it's very much based around relationships with food and that sort of stuff um but uh, if you don't have a very good relationship with food then this can have a massive knock-on with all the other things so like i was just saying you know if, if you um really don't have a good relationship with food then that can socially impact you and, and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah no absolutely the thing thing about emotional health is there might be some diets where they may not be perfect for some of the other stuff like the the physical aspect in terms of you know using vegetarian or veganism maybe as an example where they may not be the most perfect diets they can be done obviously and be and still be perfect but they are a lot harder to do so as we've talked about on on other um other episodes but those types of things where they actually might improve your emotional health because you, you kind of find a, a path in air quotes that suits you as as an individual or suits your kind of like being again in air quotes so that might improve your emotional health because all of a sudden you just you know um you feel better about your diet and your spiritual it is a bit spiritual and you like your spiritualism of for it because you align your your beliefs and your ethics and your morals align with veganism or vegetarian say and that might be worth improving your emotional health by eating in that manner even potentially at the detriment of some physical aspects so yeah yeah and sometimes it has to be a bit of give and take you can't have a perfect one and expect all the others to align perfectly you have to um yeah that's be a little bit of give and take to, to to take one you might have to give something on one of the others so you know to be more sociable and kind of have a better relationship with food emotionally and all that sort of stuff you may have to um sacrifice some uh, physical goals in terms of you know not in terms of the health physical goals but if you're trying to like stay shredded 12 months a year um and you know be like proper washboard abs as we were joking about earlier um to to do that you are going to have to sacrifice some of the others um and that's where maybe going to that extreme of, of being so physically aesthetical as some may say um you are sacrificing other uh, asset, facets of health yeah absolutely and i mean all of this is is underlined by that the intellectual health side and just being empowered to kind of make your own decisions and know more about this specific subject and that kind of links in perfectly with all of those um one of the other things that we and the last one before we move on i guess is like the economic side so economic health yeah so this is something that when people i i notice this a lot when people buy into new plans or like hire coaches and stuff like that so i remember when i bought my first plan when i was getting into the gym and it was a m10 mark coles thing and like the supplement list on it was ridiculous so i you know i may have following it i could have looked shredded i could have been jacked but i'd have been very poor and <laughs> broke as fuck <laughs> exactly so um you have to take into the economic situation of things and this is something we always kind of try and ask like clients about and stuff like that and say you know what what spare cash do you have but and then at the same time when you ask that question it does scare people off a little bit because they think you're going to start saying right you need to be spending a thousand pound a month on you need to buy our and- <laughs> you need to buy our supplements 
Yeah, 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 exactly. So, and this is what you get from a lot of people. And you know, they buy the plan, and then it's where you've got to buy this, this, and this um, that are based on that. That owned by the same person. Um, so, uh, yeah. So it's a case of being smart about it and not breaking yourself. And like, you do get people who do it. Don't they? they start going to the gym, and then all of a sudden they've got every single thing that my protein sell um, because they feel as though it's essential. Um, I, I, I almost think it's a bit of a not a rite of passage. It's um... It's part. It's almost part of the journey that most people have to go through, or will, or or will go through, just because you know that's the only way you learn. You kind of, mm. you kind of do. I mean, I used to buy Thermobol, like Max Muscle Thermobol, and BCAAs, and I, I sometimes see my little Facebook statuses pop up in my memories from seven, eight years ago, and that make me cringe. Think of some of the stuff I wrote around, like, oh yeah, I'm doing my fasted cardio this morning with my BCAAs and all this stuff, or like I've just yeah, all I've got is my coconut oil coffee. And just all these different things where I think stuff like I was wasting so much money buying supplements or buying into certain diets and things where pff, madness really. Like the Thermobol, I was paying 30 quid a month for like a, a month's worth of, of fat burners, which, and I paid literally, well, not literally, but almost zero attention to my diet. So I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't know what a calorie, I didn't know energy balance was a thing. I didn't, I kind of had a rough idea what calories were, but never really implemented them in a way to, to do with energy balance. I kind of just ate what I wanted and clearly in a calorie surplus, yet I'm then smashing 30 quid's worth of fat burners down um, and wondering why I'm going to the gym after taking some Thermobol and burping up like chili chili powder and orange peel. <laughs> it's uh, quite often with some people you see and the amount of crap they buy, um, you do kind of think if you just spent that £100 a month on some coaching, uh, then you would be in such a better place. But so many people don't realise, like they, they, they'll spend it on all the supplements under the world and you know, all the gym plans and all this sort of stuff, but they'd never spend it on like hiring a coach. Um, they just think that that's the solution, that's the answer. Yeah. Is uh, yeah. So. That, that, that's, and I guess the point we bring that up is because part of a coach's job should be to not only look after all the things we talked about your physical health and obviously the other side but the economic health as well so should be able to provide like appropriate supplement advice and obviously our brand no nonsense nutrition you can imagine for most people the the supplements that we recommend um for want of a better phrase is pretty minimal pretty low because most of them don't do anything or do enough to to warrant the economic cost of it so there's even some other aspects of like being able to advise on i mean we would we would we would never force or advise anyone has to buy like fresh fruit and veg say all the time so i've made enough christ some sound like my ceiling just came through sorry stop <laughs> literally stopped me in my tracks um, that will be summer going to bed running around after brushing her teeth i'd imagine um, I was gonna say you're just definitely not going to bed if you're making noises <laughs> like that <laughs> um but yeah like we wouldn't we wouldn't force people to to buy like fresh fruit and veg and i kind of say it quite prominently at the moment on the basis of it's actually quite hard to get a lot of it because of the supermarkets and everyone being isolation stuff and frozen veg is just as nutritious if not in a lot of place or a lot of times more nutritious than um, um, fresh veg because obviously it's flash frozen from being picked almost and and it should then preserve more nutrients so and it's far I, cheaper I use frozen veg all the time not like yeah. freezer currently frozen peas frozen sweet corn and frozen green beans just because we don't like we, we eat a lot of peas and all that but green green bean wise we only um we only have them every now and then because alex yeah. isn't the biggest fan so well, having fresh ones we just don't get through them so exactly and i always have i mean don't worry i buy loads of fresh fruit and veg every week but i always have loads of bags of frozen as well when towards the end of the week if i start to run out or if i just need need something there um Yes, there is the argument of, I guess, 
I don't feel it's as palatable. That's not as palatable. Obviously, it can you know frozen veg can sometimes be a bit wet and mushy, and maybe, yeah. maybe the quality of it isn't what you'd, you'd you'd hope for, which is fine. Like I get that, but then economically, it is so much cheaper than fresh fruit and veg, and you can get so more, so so much more. And from a health perspective. It, it, it isn't a physical health perspective it isn't any worse for you in fact like i say argument is better so again it's those types of conversations that a good coach or if you're you know if you start to learn about nutrition you'll realize that you don't have to spend five quid like every week on purple sprout and broccoli or you know your tesco's finest asparagus you know another five quid so you end up spending 35 quid on four vegetable items almost so Oh, it's crazy. And they're trying to do the multi-buy things as well with all the like ready-prepared stuff. And it's just, it adds up so, so quickly. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, you just get three or four bags of like mixed, even even just like a mixed frozen veg where it's all pre-chopped and stuff. It's yeah. like two quid and that's going to last you for a couple of weeks. But I will say, like, conversely on that, if, so I guess like the, the mixed veg, the, or not the mixed, not the frozen mixed veg, but like the uh, multi-buy stuff that you just referred to where some of it's already pre-packed, pre, oh, pre-prepared, I should say, sorry. Mm. That actually might be worthwhile for some people and it'll be an individual thing, but like economically it might not be great because it's more expensive, but if it's then helping your emotional and your um, psychological and potentially social health because it's, you, it's, you mean you have to have less time preparing stuff and therefore you can just make um, make a meal a lot quicker and it increases your adherence so therefore it might also help your physical health as well then that's something you've got to weigh up but this is exactly the point that all of these things affect all of these things like all of these six facets basically all overlap very much and it's kind of just making sure that you're paying attention to each one and not just completely neglected them because they will they will all affect each other yeah and that's that give and take again isn't it you know you might have to give a lot of economic health to uh, to gain in in other in other areas um yeah especially if you've got kids you're busy you've got you know you're never at home you really struggle to make your own food you can't cook all these sorts of things like you just yeah they all kind of play massive massive factors yeah so in in terms of like optimal health then so we said what is health and optimal health we've talked a lot about that in a lot of episodes um and for optimal health in terms of evidence base we only really have so i'm talking really the logistics of kind of what you'll eat so kind of moving on from what we've just talked about um we only really have the blue zones to talk about so the these uh, parts of the the globe that are have the highest concentration of centenarians now we're not going to go through them all um and we could go through like the theme of optimal eating but to be honest i would probably just refer people back to a podcast we did oh it would have been back in october time now wouldn't it so what is it obviously you know five months bloody hell where's that gone um surprised it's that long ago actually but <laughs> yeah i would point people back to that um just because we don't want to run it overall but essentially the point is like optimal health and the evidence we have is a lot more than just what you put in your mouth um there's some kind of themes of eating is more around kind of a lot of the other aspects that we don't talked about in terms of social community sunlight sleep stress as well um, which affect all of those six six facets so go back and listen to that um but so what i thought we would also kind of just touch on quickly is like other factors that dictate physical physical health so um i, I suppose i'm talking a little bit more around genetics as well because we yeah, can't, we, yeah, can't, we so can't ignore that that's a big factor yeah you hear like linda saying you know well you know i'm big boned because my mum was big boned and 
people kind of go, oh, yeah, good excuse. Um, well, in, in, kind in, of right. in, in, yeah, in our fat loss group, and I'll let you, sorry, mate, to go on, but I just want to quickly bring it up before I forget. In our fat loss group um, that we run at the moment, our, our 14-day challenge, um, someone did say something along the lines of, um, oh, I'm really, you know, I'm really trying and, Oh, I just I did overeat a little bit on this this bit, and I you know my it's not helping because my husband is sitting here like eating everything and he doesn't care, and he can just eat anything and not put any weight, and I can just look at cake and get fat. Yeah, yeah, it was a comment in the group, wasn't it? Yeah, when we were talking about what the struggles were and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, it just shows the difference between people. Um, I speak about the difference between me and Alex all the time in terms of appetite and hunger. Um, and how quickly those signals can switch off and stuff. So it, like, you know, just that being a very small part of it, and then you talk about like natural settling points and all that sort of stuff. It can all be it's all inherited from your, your parents, basically. Um, so that comes from somewhere, and then that then impacts. Like you, you see, you see families don't you in say the supermarket, and you've got two, three generations of family, or you know, out and about. And you get these families that generally just all of them are big, and you can tell even from the smallest kids they're going to be big when they're when they're older. Um, and it, but at the same time, though, yes, it can play a massive factor if you let it. But that is exactly it, if you let it. So if you do something about it, like if you look at both my parents are overweight um, and my older sister is, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not. But it's because I have a knowledge around nutrition and because I do something about it. You know, I enjoy going and playing sport. But then I also have that kind of big focus on food in terms of what I'm eating and making sure that I'm not overeating and making sure I'm not eating crap all the time, making sure I am moving a lot. Um, and that way, but I know as soon as I like have a period of a couple of months where I'm not really doing much sport or whatever it is, I can slowly, I do start to put on a bit of weight unless I'm being really conscious about it. Either that or you're adopted. You know, I do look a lot like the milkman. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it, I mean you can't. You're right. You, you, we cannot ignore genetics play a factor. Um, so I think not so much. I mean, there are elements there, but not so much physically. Into no, not physically, not so much in like one person. So that comment around like, oh, my husband can look at cake, and you know, I no, sorry, my husband can eat all the cake and don't get fat, and I look at cake and I, you know balloon tends though not so much in that people's like metabolisms vary that much there is some variance and some some genetically uh, affected and you get some outliers of course but um for the most part i think it's more around behaviors so like genetically you have certain kind of like genetics which will um almost depict what behaviors you have so like we've referred to it before but that program that was on a while ago where it's like the secrets of thin people or something i can't remember what it's called but something on those sort of lines and it basically turned out they followed like overweight people and thin people and just basically watched what they do and it turns out that the thin people naturally ate less and moved more and the overweight people naturally moved less and ate a lot more um but on the grand scheme of it, it didn't look like they were so because yeah. because obviously the they kind of showed snapshots of like the thin people eating McDonald's all day and I don't know where else and the fat people sitting there eating a salad. Um, but when they then panned out and showed like the rest of their actual behaviours over a day or a week or whatever that you could start to see actually I understand now that that's that thin person was eating a McDonald's but actually they hadn't eaten anything the entire day before because they'd gone out drinking and got had a hangover so basically ate nothing the entire day um and you know when they had that McDonald's they went for like a three mile walk and then something else later on and you could start to see all of a sudden when it's not as as like polar opposite or different different as you might think and in reality it's probably exactly what you should expect yeah so yeah. And, and a lot of that I think is genetically driven because 
they weren't consciously making a lot of these people weren't consciously making these decisions it's just their genetics and their behaviors just drove them to kind of act in a way that helped them manage their weight or or didn't manage their weight if they were in kind of like this obese category say it was overweight category yeah um i was like a guy i used to hang around with when i was at school he was really like stick then and um you know people used to say oh you're naturally skinny but then if you actually looked at it like he lived two and a half miles away from school, walked to and from school every day. It was up a big hill as well. Um, he like he looked at his lunch, he had a pit of bread with bits of chicken and loads of lettuce in. Like, he didn't have a lunchbox full of chocolate crisps and all that sort of stuff. Um, he went out walking at the weekends with his family. He you know, he was just generally quite an active lad. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't one who had Playstations and stuff like that. Um, and it was just because his, his habits and his behaviours around his lifestyle caused him to burn a lot of calories and all right yeah he didn't eat a lot as well but at the same time you know that's why he was skinny um so yeah and then you look on the flip side of somebody who they played a lot of playstation they didn't really play much sport they didn't have really social friends who they go out with all the time um and then their lunchbox was you know something completely different it's exactly the same at work and and all that sort of stuff isn't it you know they it's just easy to only see a snapshot and make an assumption on the re- on the rest of their day's diet and activity when in reality it's very rarely the case because there aren't these outliers. Um, yeah. However, there is an element of nurture also plays a role. So kind of your example of um, generations of people that you kind of might make an assumption based on, you know, you see parents overweight, children overweight or whatever, um, and you just assume like genetically that's the case. There is also an element there that environment and nurture. So I guess the environment can consider a way of nurturing so their environment and how they're brought up so the kids especially but it might be the same for those parents um they will also have an element or that will also sorry i should say have an element of effect on you know their their physical self and their their health and well-being um just be by being in a certain environment i mean we talked about set points and settling points on another episode where the, the kind of set point might be your physical genetic determining factor for, for you know as a hypothesis of where your you know kind of body fat levels are uh, whereas a setting point might be where that then changes depending upon the environment you're in so take an obese person in england or you know anywhere western like the us and and they've got access to all these hyper palatable high calorie um calorie dense like delicious foods they may be overweight stick them in the middle of Africa in a jungle, and they they don't have access to all those foods. That might be mildly racist. Sorry if it is. I don't know. <laughs> um, Africa does have a lot of jungles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, but th- therefore, those they they may not be overweight. So, I mean, I guess that's the kind of a crude example of where like genetics are overridden by nature or nurture because uh, sorry by well not by nature by nurture because the environment changes. So. Where so I guess just to round that up to just because we're waffled a lot, like where genetics can't be ignored because it will definitely have a factor. Nurture and environment, and everything else, still has a has a place or has an effect. But the take home point is that while we may all be on a scale like nature's scale at a point based on what our genetics are, so you might be a bit more prone to eat more than someone else, or you might be a bit more prone to hold body fat in certain positions that you don't like, like I am. You know, I always joke around my love handles and stuff. Um, which make me feel like I'm probably heavier or, or hold more body fat than I do, um, doesn't mean I can't do something about it because it's just a scale. It just means that I might be slightly on one end of the scale compared to another person or higher, further down a scale, say. Like, this is this goes the same with, like, um, like genomics and, and other stuff. So where, like... Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Where, like, uh, you know, the genetics or, or, like, the way your genetics... Um, 
express themselves based on kind of like your upbringing or like maybe like maternal upbringing like you when you're in the womb say if your mother eats there are some there is some research showing like if your mother has a certain type of diet or your mother's obese while they're carrying you you have a higher chance of being an overweight child say but that's kind of like your your genes expressing themselves off of like your parents um lifestyle i suppose or and how they are um but that doesn't mean like because you then might be more prone to being overweight child because of that that you can't do something about it because what's that analogy like your genetics load the gun but it's up to you if you, but obviously it's down to you if you fire it that kind of, is that, yeah yeah, so yeah. It's that i think type, you can set that yourself thing. back as well when you're a teen and stuff like that like i know a couple of um examples uh so i did a talk for the prince's trust oh, it was probably about 18 months ago now and i did a little seminar with some of the kids on their program who were uh, looking to build life skills so they can get employment and all that sort of stuff and um so i did a bit of a talk on nutrition and eating healthier and stuff like that and uh when we kind of talked about like what they ate and what they thought was good and bad about their diet and how they can improve it to become healthier and through nutrition kind of a lot of the things we're talking about now um one of the lads he he said oh, you know i go to the he was probably 16 something like that and he was uh, like he wasn't overweight but he, he wasn't slim um uh, he was he was curvy um and uh, he was saying you know i go to the gym and you know i'm really enjoying that and um uh, my friend's helping me and um it, it's my food that lets me down and that's why i'm putting on weight and i said okay so what sort of things do you eat and um and we were talking about like how how he could improve his diet and he says yes but because my mum makes all my food i have to eat what she makes me and it, if it doesn't come out of the freezer she doesn't know how to to cook it um and there was there was a part of that so it's like okay well you can be set back and you see a lot of kids by the time they reach the late teens and they go off to university or wherever they're quite heavily overweight and that, that does set them back for being able to make their own choices um in some so, well, you know, unless you turn around and say, "Mom, I don't want to eat that anymore," or whatever, you know, go learn to cook yourself and make the food for the family. And there's ways around it, isn't there? But, um, and uh, but and then he went on to say about how he has two choc ices every night or two ice creams every night and stuff like that. And it was a bit like, okay, well then that's your choice then. Even if you're being offered it, you can always turn it away. Um, so there, there is kind of that um, you, you're you're almost being force fed uh, what 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 you're eating through through your earlier years until you learn or have the ability to to change it and, and all that sort of stuff so yeah. i think some people can kind of get start off on, on the back foot almost can't they but yeah. then you can hugely do something about it like look at um sophie who we had on one of the very very early podcasts she was like probably like episode 20 something like that and she lost was it like around 30 kilos something, something like that like, yeah yeah crazy amount of weight and she's only in her teen, uh, 20s um so so yeah so um you can you can go on to do stuff about it definitely yeah i mean it's not obviously forced but you don't have any control as a minor of what you eat for the most part so you kind of you know mm-hmm. you're let you're led and you're nurtured by your parents what they're doing so and it yeah. will have a profound effect on how you grow up in terms of there'll be some physical modifications potentially genetically um for want of a, a more complex because obviously i don't understand necessarily but obviously you know the way you eat over time will affect certain things and how you're you're kind of body manifests that and i'm not just talking about just getting you know getting fat it might be your body fat distribution and hormones and stuff like that as well but um but also kind of like the behavioral side like the habits and your attitudes and your relationships to food and those types of things they're all they will all be affected by how you're brought up and how you're nurtured from your parents 
Yeah. Yeah. So obviously dictating physical health, genetics can't be ignored. Um, but we said about the scale and the fact that you can do something about it. Um, so that means you can take control of your nutrition and your exercise. So basically your lifestyle and you can do something about it. Um, but I think while we're talking about genetics, I picked out um, uh, a study. Um, oh, have I got it in front of me anymore? I want to know who the study author was. No, I don't, I've written that down actually. Um, Somebody beginning with B, I think. Something beginning with B. Um, oh, it doesn't matter. Basically, it's a, a twin study, uh, which is basically showing the role of genetics. And they've had groups of twins, inter-individual and intra-individual. So kind of... Um, showing the difference between uh, sets of twins and the individual twins themselves, as, as I don't have to explain it very well. But basically, they've overfed... I'll explain it better when we go through it. So they overfed um, a load of twins, so a load of pairs of twins. Pairs of twins? Just twins? Sets pairs of twins. twins. Sets of twins. Sets of twins, yeah, because you know pairs of twins, because that'd be four, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sets of twins, uh, 1,000 calories a day for six days out of seven for a total of 100 days, um, and... The weight gain range from any from basically nine to thirty pounds between pairs. So this is what I mean. So like the average weight gain between you know like one pair of twins and next pair of twins. That's what it says. Pairs. No set sets. sets. Sorry. So I mean. So the average. So basically, it was different. It was it ranged between nine to thirty pounds. Now the weight gain within each twin pair was similar. So that kind of showed highlights or that the genetics obviously had a reasonable role in overfeeding and how much weight they put on. Because even though the weight gain was very different between the pairs, the intra-individual between the, the two twins was very similar. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 I just found the reference. It's yeah. uh, butchered. Butchered? As in butchered. I, as in I, Butch. Oh, not, not like I butchered Butchard, Butchard. Bouchard. Jean Bouchard. Bouchard. It's probably, probably a bit JB? fancy. Yeah, it's probably a bit uh, more foreign than my pronunciation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the between twin variance in weight gain was three times the variance within pairs. So again, it just shows you again that those genetics, like, um, is it shows you how much of a big play it actually has. So. Um, and I said, uh, when looking at the gains in visceral fat, the between twin variance was six times greater than within the pairs. So again, like six times greater between all those sets of twins compared to the, each, the twin themselves compared to the other twin. So genetics clearly have a big role. Like you, I don't think you can deny that. And obviously they're not perfect. There's a lot of co-founding factors in a lot of that studies to really say, you know, it's a perfect study as such. But I do think it, you know, these trends of the fact that these twins tend to have very similar outcomes based on this overfeeding, um, comparing the twin to his other twin or their other twin, could be females as well. But when you then compare the difference between pairs or sets of twins, oh, I'm really struggling with this, sets of twins, it just varies so much like it would do any other person. But... You know, the take-home point is that you're, you, if you overfed you and your twin, your outcomes would likely be pretty similar, given the same upbringing and, and stuff as well. Because you know, we've already talked about how the, the kind of the nurture aspects of your environment and how you're brought up can have a, a, a huge play. If you were brought up separately, um, it'd be interesting to know the difference. Although I think I, I can't remember who it was, um, but there was a professor on one of the stigma, uh, stigma nutrition, <laughs> the stigma nutrition um, ones where they did. I think they had exactly that where they they'd managed to follow up twins that were separated at birth or something like that and actually their um lifestyle factors and outcomes were quite similar so it kind of shows that genetics have again have quite a big part 
Um, I don't think I'm making that up anyway. Maybe I'll go back and try and find that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's funny when, like, you know, uh, older sets of twins and, um, you know, they're in their 40s, 50s or whatever and how they still have very similar body types, um, similar activity levels and all that sort of stuff. So, like, one of the guys who, who works for me, he's a twin. He's um, early, mid-50s. And, um, yeah, he, he's still the spit, not just looking, but, like, body type to his brother. Um, I know his brother as well. And, uh, yeah, they both go to the gym together and they yeah it's, it's it'd be, very cute it'd be interesting to see like twins with different jobs say like one's a, a builder and the other one's an office worker and to see how that then manifests itself in in outcomes but yeah well he's a he runs a shop and then his twin brother is an estate agent so a little bit different i suppose um but yeah uh, but yeah like you say they were very very different jobs but i suppose would they get very very different jobs because they'd have a similar interest similar Perhaps, intellect yeah. Uh, and it would also be interesting to see the difference between identical and non-identical twins and see whether that uh, plays a part I'm sure it does anyway we're underqualified no yes underqualified we're underqualified to talk about that so we will move on Um, so moving on to I think maybe the last bit before we round up Um, so kind of nutrition and physical health again just moving on another layer another step further Um, there are no unhealthy foods and there are no unhealthy meals so when you're kind of talking about nutrition and physical health um, there's kind of what we're trying to get get away from people to to think about uh, foods being healthy unhealthy because in reality they don't really exist it's something we've again covered a lot on a lot of the podcasts that we've had as opposed to us not as opposed so i guess the example i'm trying to say there is a burger is not necessarily an unhealthy food because you can't say that one burger is going to affect someone's physical health so therefore does it make that burger unhealthy yeah exactly exactly yeah so the point being like there's no unhealthy foods you know you can't even say there's an unhealthy meal there's only really an unhealthy diet because your health will be determined by your actions over a long period of time yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have one cheat meal and all of a sudden become a obese slob. Mm. Um, <laughs> you have to have many, many, many over days and over weeks and over months and years. In the same way as you don't eat one salad and all of a sudden become very, very healthy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, we probably just need to, just for um, uh, accuracy purposes, just kind of refer to maybe something like trans fats as maybe the you know like one of the exceptions you know when i say there's no unhealthy foods um trans fats is probably one of the examples i can think of um but again if you have them once it's not going to kill you but if you have them repeatedly yes they may well go a long way to doing so no but i I suppose our recommendation would be to to not consume any trans fats oh yeah you would not be putting them on a meal plan would you no Um, so that's the only reason i kind of say it's true to an extent but you know there are the odd exception like that but like you say like it's not like anyone should panic if they do consume some because they're not going to kill you in one go they're not really going to probably damage your health in in really any way either um just by consuming it once so um yeah i suppose like that's that's kind of it really you know like health's a fact of a long-term cumulative effect of your your actions or your dietary choices over time rather than than kind of anything so um and obviously that will that includes all of the factors we talked about in in physical psychological um social emotional economic and intellectual like actions and, and factors not just just that so um and i suppose yeah. like just just to just to end on like what we want people to kind of 
think of as as the complete picture so which is should really be the outcome of most coaching um as in you know you're not a prep coach saying you have got a specific event that you're prepping for um i just want you to kind of end on like the the kind of like the overall arch in what people should be looking for in terms of like diets being temporary it's temp- temporary etc and, and kind of what people are looking for you want me to summarize yes please yes please um yeah well you say diets are temporary so um you've got you've got to take in the bigger picture of 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 everything haven't you you've got to find the the midpoint for you of all these scales uh of everything we've kind of said so you know don't break the budget but don't um you know go too far the other way economically and socially you can't be overly social without being underly social and and, and you know just just find that that happy point for you where you kind of were working towards your goal your long-term goal not your next week goal but your your overall goal of whatever it may be um and also take into fact more things than just oh you know i want to lose a stone um or i want to get fit you know what what do you want after that as well um what are your kind of you know 10-year goals and all that sort of stuff how do you factor all that in and how do you make these work around uh all that so um yeah so it's it's a case of balance isn't it yeah it is and i I think that's the point in that it relates into something i said a couple of weeks ago i can't remember when it was now maybe two or three weeks ago where not everyone wants like there not everyone wants to lose weight or not everyone's end goal specifically to lose weight and, and kind of why i alluded to like that it should probably be the the end goal for most people's coaching is is basically living because they might come to you with a goal of wanting to lose weight but after a while like whether they they achieve that weight loss or whether they decide that that's not even a goal they they long any longer want to kind of go towards living's that kind of bigger picture that then is kind of more important and that requires like a a kind of maintenance approach for the most part i guess um because I suppose that what I'm trying to say is like weight loss can obviously lead to improved physical health, but I guess also the the alternate of weight regain can obviously lead to poor physical, but also emotional, psychological, social, and physical. As can I suppose like even weight loss, like too much too much extreme or focus on weight loss can also lead to negative emotional, psychological, and social and physical health reduction. Which is why we're saying like it's kind of like finding that living in air quotes. Um, way and 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 then in for for the, for the most part improving all of those aspects is really really key and really important so yeah you can definitely get lost in on the like in the process as well so when people are trying to become healthier they sometimes become sort of too healthy if that's such a thing mm-hmm. um and you know that's when orthorectic eating and all that sort of stuff starts to, to come into play and having them their social issues and stuff so um by trying to do the right thing you can sometimes go too far and do the wrong thing so it is yeah finding that balance is key and you probably have to overshoot it to find the balance you have to go too far and go you know buy all the supplements and become overly obsessed and become slightly antisocial you probably are going to to a degree it's just noticing well, that and snapping out of it quick for a lot of people it's definitely part of the journey mm. um cool right i have got a good product brad product what up you can you see uh turn no, your you focus off. let me turn the focus off i don't know what always defaults this is really annoying well it's not as fun but it's not it's not conducive for this right can you read uh that? okay so you have original mighty pea milk it's a free it's dairy sweetened version by the way uh, okay okay uh let me just make my screen a bit bigger so i can 
see just the rest make, of it. Just make it a bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. Um, dairy, uh, free from dairy, nuts and soy. Eight grams of plant protein per glass. Uh, 50% less sugar than cow's milk. 100% vegan. The power of the pea. Yeah. So it's basically milk made of pea protein and water. Uh, grape juice concentrate. Uh, sunflower oil. Calcium carbonate. Tapioca starch. A lot of those are just, I guess... Um, Pres- not preservatives, yeah. Uh, yeah. Preservative. Yeah. Well, preservatives and texturizers. Someone in so, the food industry is going to kill me. Um, so that's the hold on. I've got that's obviously one. Well, I just I just got a quick question about pea yeah. protein. Um, like I eat a lot of peas and they don't have a teat. How do you get like the, uh, the milk out of um, it? You squeeze them really hard, and, and then, then they, they milk. No, obviously, Edward, it's water mixed with well, like. Pea protein, like you would powdered pea protein. Yeah. Duh. Go on, go on. Um, and then this little number is a crunch high protein bar. Warrior it, crunch. Warrior crunch bar. Oh, I see that. Um, it's, there. it's there. Yeah, your finger was over it. Um, and what flavour is it? It's uh, where's it on the right hand side. There. No, it is. Up, up, up a bit, up a bit, up a bit. Oh, it's Benoffi. Benoffi. There we go. There. I saw the offy bit. Uh, Benoffi pie flavored. Benoffi pie warrior crunch high protein low sugar bar. Crunchy protein oh. bar with thirty one percent maltitol white chocolate coating with sweeteners sounds delicious. I want that to be really really nice because I like Benoffi pie. Well, but... what do you think? The pea milk or the protein bar? I th- I'm I'm going to say because this is what I want. I want the protein bar to be really tasty, and I want the pea milk to taste like pea. Well, you'd be correct on both fronts because yeah. the protein bar was fantastic. Really nice. I mean, it's a bit fake banoffee, but in a good way. Like a nice, really nice banoffee taste. Um, it's not your banoffee pie, really. But it is that kind of like fake banana toffee. Like fake banana and fake toffee. You know what I mean? You know, like the banana yeah. sweets, that kind of banana. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, like the little foamy chew things. Quite synthetic-y yeah. taste. But in a good way. You get off it, yeah. yeah. Um, and the textures are brilliant. The Warrior Crunch Bars are up there with some of the better ones they're like phd smart bars that type of format but they are like these especially these ones like i don't know if it's because it's a new flavor and it's obviously a new production of bars but they're really soft i know a lot of these bars if they're kept for like in a packaging for six months they go a bit harder Mm. Um, but anyway these are lovely and the pea milk yeah it just tastes like savory pea (laughs) which i tried it in porridge was like i was like that's pretty good actually so if i have like so eight grams per serving i think it was 200 mils maybe 250 uh, two fifty, I think, is the serving size recommendation. Doesn't say actually, but it's three point two per hundred mil, so it works out three at two fifty, doesn't it? Um, yeah, like I thought. Well, there you go. Like I don't remember. I had maybe three. I might have had like three hundred mils of milk with something like 80, 90 grams of oats or something. I put a load of sweetener in as well, a load of candorel to try and you know mask any potential pea taste and also to make my porridge sweet. Um, and it still tastes like savoury pea porridge. So I thought, well, that's quite good. They, that's like 8, 9, 10 maybe, and then maybe another, you know, probably 15, maybe 20 grams close to in a bowl of porridge. I thought, that's quite good. Mm, yeah, protein hit content. You. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. I guess it's going to be reasonably low on leucine, although pea isn't a bad source of leucine. Um, yeah, but it tastes like... Yeah, fucking it wasn't very good. Savory pea. Do you live with it, though, if that was kind of your best source of milk or whatever? I live with it. I think I did get used to it a little bit. Like I've been, I had an unsweetened and a sweetened version. Now, the sweetened version doesn't really taste any different than the unsweetened, so that's a bit disappointing. 
Um, like if you ever had sweetened almond milk, it's like yeah. quite nice. It's all right because it's sweetened, but then obviously it's a lot higher in calories. Whereas you have unsweetened almond milk, and it tastes fucking disgusting on its own. Yeah. So I yeah. put candor on it to sweeten it up if I ever have that. And obviously, it is quite low calorie. I mean, this isn't bad. Thirty nine calories per hundred mils. But I'll be honest, at thirty nine calories per hundred mils, I'd rather have milk at forty five calories. Yeah, exactly. Um, We're talking. But then, aren't we really? Yeah. Obviously, I'm not really the target market. They're really going for the vegans, aren't they? yeah so yeah at least it's an option and it's good to have as many options as possible you'll find something that you'll like if you're kind of that way inclined you want to uh, up your protein intake and all that sort of stuff so yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a product that's not horrendous but you know there's better alternatives if you not, aren't so not, restricted yeah to be honest it's, it's not very good it's not horrendous but it's not very good um, oh, okay. if you ask me unless you just really like savoury peas on your cereal <laughs> there's definitely a market for it somewhere um, but I, you probably would get used to it. Maybe I think people that drink soya all the time, um, or even drink, you know, like your almond milk all the time. I'll be honest. I think they must just get used to the taste of it because they're pretty shit when you first drink them. So yeah, yeah. Especially if you just had a bit of blue top or something. But um, at 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 the risk or fear of turning this into a, a phone call between two of your mates, um, we'll sign off there, shall we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, just oh, uh... a phone call to like two mates. Oh, I'll be honest pretty much what you're fucking doing so <laughs> yeah you just we're just allowing you lucky people to listen into it yeah. <laughs> right on that note adios catch you later see you in a bit bye thanks for listening to the no nonsense nutrition podcast we'll speak to you all next week